I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 147. And you just heard from... Nobody. (laughs) (laughs) How many of y'all have intros due? A lot. I'm coming for y'all. No, I'm just kidding. Hey, if you want to do an intro, though, head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. Check out the tiers. See if you want to join one. And some of them have, you know, an intro. All right, let's jump right in. Hey, ladies, my name is Paige, and I found your podcast almost a year ago, and I'm almost caught up. I've been wanting to write into you for a while now, and putting it off like the master procrastinator I am. I feel that in my bones. The story I want to tell you girls is kind of heavy and deals with suicide, so trigger warning. To start off, I've always been a bit of an empath. Not full-blown, but I'm definitely very in tune with others' emotions, and my dreams have always held a lot of significance. Now, on with the story. When I was 24, I was living near Seattle with my now ex-husband. I'm from Michigan, near Detroit. I hadn't seen any of my friends in over a year, but stayed in pretty close contact with most of them. The one I hadn't heard from in a while and had been thinking about a lot was my best friend Eric. I kept meaning to call or text him to check in and see how he was doing, but you know, life. Then one night I had this dream and he was there. He said to me, I just wanted to let you know that I'm okay now and I'm happy. All I want is for you to be happy and live your life the best you can. I love you. He hugged me and walked away. I woke up feeling light and had it in my head to text him the next day. But my cat, who is named after Freddy Krueger, by the way, was recovering from a life-threatening illness, and I worked midnights, so it slipped my mind again. This happened on a Saturday. Monday morning, I get a call from Eric's longtime girlfriend and another dear friend of mine. I missed it because I was sleeping, so she sent me a text telling me to call her when I could. I was excited because they had been talking about getting engaged. So when she picked up the phone, I was not expecting the words she spoke to come out of her mouth. She had called to tell me that Friday night, Eric had gotten home from work and died by suicide. Because he was working out of state in Indiana and living by himself, he wasn't found until Sunday evening. We were all blindsided. My mom and my sister went to the memorial on my behalf because we had just spent all of our savings on vet bills for Kruger, so I couldn't afford to fly home. After my divorce, I moved back home, and when I went to see Eric's mom, who I'm still very close with and consider to be like a second mother, she actually gave me a necklace that holds some of his ashes, which I only take off when I shower. Knowing I have him with me all the time brings me peace. He was my soulmate, but not in the romantic way. He was my very best friend. He was my missing puzzle piece. It's been almost two years, and the grief has gotten a little easier. I try to keep his last words to me in my mind. I try to live my life the best way I can and try to have a happy life. He still visits my dreams from time to time, and I know he's always looking over me. Sorry for the long and depressing story, but I wanted to share it with you ladies and all of my fellow listeners. Before I wrap this up, I just want to say that if anyone listening is having suicidal thoughts, please know you're not alone and reach out to the Suicide Hotline for help. You matter. Creep it real, Paige. Well, we are so sorry for your loss. And I totally believe in friend soulmates. For sure. Yeah, I definitely don't think that soulmates have to be like romantic. Right. God, that story breaks my heart. But I really think it's amazing that he came to you and was like, hey, I'm good. Yes. Yes. But absolutely, like Paige said, you are not alone. And please reach out for help. Like if you just type in the word suicide on Google, the first thing that pops up is the suicide hotline. Also, I'm so sorry 
because you seem to have really been going through a lot anyway with your cat. And it seems like life does that. It just piles stuff on. Mm-hmm. Oh, but that just means you are freaking strong to still be going and sending positive messages out. And just thank you so much. The next one. Hey, y'all. I literally just discovered your podcast today. Where have y'all been all my life? <laughs> I'm Ashley, and I currently live in Blue Ridge, Georgia. I really want to share some info about the house I grew up in outside of Athens, Georgia. I lived on a farm, which oddly enough was right off a major highway. I always experienced weird things in the house like nightmares, anxious feelings, feelings of being watched, seeing things out of the corner of my eye, etc. As a kid, I thought that was normal because it was for me. But I always slept with my grandparents until they moved and after that I had to sleep with a light and music on. I hate the dark and silence. I remember one time seeing this shadow thing in the backyard. I was maybe six or seven when it happened, and I thought it was an animal maybe, because what else would it be to a kid? When I finally moved out of the house, activity seemed to pick up. My mom started battling really bad depression and anxiety and tried to take her own life. Luckily, she's still here. I found out that my parents had been seeing a shadow figure in the house. I think it was feeding off all the negativity. Let me tell you more about the property. It's right across the street from a nursing home, so lots of death happening in that area. When I was in middle school, the neighbor down the street shot herself with a shotgun with their husband and kids in the house. Two different people ran the stop sign at the end of our road and were killed. In the 90s, my church, half a mile down the road, caught on fire when the steeple was struck by lightning. There was once a car chase on foot right outside of our property. Bizarre occurrences just seemed to be attracted to that area. I recently Googled the property and found out there was just a car accident on the property in October where both people died. The car drove off the road. Mm. I still have nightmares that take place in that house and I haven't lived there in over five years. Now a car dealership and a fire station sit where our house and farm once was, and I can't help but wonder if they have experienced anything unsettling. I always wished Amy and Steve from The Dead Files would have come and investigated. Anyway, I have tons more paranormal stories I can't wait to share with y'all. Toodles, Ashley. That's too much stuff going on around a house to be a coincidence. For real. And just like you said, it seemed like so much tragedy happened around that area. And it's like whatever was on your property did feed off of that and probably caused the stuff to happen so it could feed off of it. Mm-hmm. That's creepy. Also, this Ashley, I was her secret Santa this past year. I know. And that's so funny. <laughs> I, whenever I saw like, I just started listening to your podcast today. I was like, this is, this is Ashley, Ashley that we know. Like, yeah. you know, I was like, she's like in it now you yeah, know it's yeah. just it's, it's so funny to see like the when people first sent in stuff like when they first yes. started listening and now they've been listening for a while and they're like part of the creeping audience in the discord and yep you know friends with you on facebook all the things yep uh and again just letting you know even if you're not an intro person you're like well that doesn't sell me on it we do discord and all that and on the discord we did a secret santa swap this past year And we've been doing like little cards and everything. I don't know. Just sometimes snail mail is really good to get. Yeah. I get excited when it's something other than one, a bill or two, an advertisement. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. The next one. My true crime-ish story. Picture it. Jefferson County, Missouri, 1999. 
I was a 20-year-old immature girl and found myself in county lockup for a few unpaid traffic tickets and a bounced check. Um, sidebar, I, I know we've said this before, but I used to think as long as my mom had a check in her checkbook, that was cash. Like, that was <laughs> the same as having cash. I'm like, well, just write a check. And she's like, I have to have money in the account. I'm like, that's not the same as, like, handing them a, a five. I mean, that's basically my thing now. I'm like, I can't afford that. Oh, I have a, do have a credit card. <laughs> Don't do that, kids. Don't do that. <laughs> so, see, we all do weird money things. I mean, I've definitely done the credit card thing. And oh. I've gotten the loan to pay the credit card off and then ran the credit card up the same amount mm-hmm. and then owed both. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, because I was like, oh, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this little thing. And then we were both in the same. We got two bills instead of one. <laughs> Lovely. And what did that money get us? Nothing. It got me some house decorations that are same. like in a pile for uh, not being used. Maybe yeah. for a yard sale. <laughs> yes. <sighs> Don't do what we do. Do what we say. Don't be impulse buyers. Uh, mm, yeah. Like, I'm such a, I have to have it now. Like, when I got in the house, I was like, I have to have all the Christmas decorations. I have to have all the Halloween decorations. Here's $800 million for decorations today. Because, no, I can't wait a couple years, buy a little bit as I go. No, it's got to be the whole shebang right now. I know, I know. We love a good deal. And so, if it's, especially, like, a lot of that was, like, 70 off or 80 off. Mm -hmm. Well, we also used to think that if we had 50% (laughs) off and we had a 20% off coupon, that meant that it was 70% off. (laughs) Yeah, we learned that is not the truth. So, we thought we were getting stuff way cheaper than we were actually getting it. So, that fucked us a little. Yeah, it did. Again, learn from our mistakes. All right, back to the story. It was my first time ever being in jail. I was terrified. My parents let me sit there for three weeks to teach me a lesson. They refused to bail me out and made me wait for my court date. Jefferson County is made up of a large rural area with a handful of small hillbilly towns. Anywho, from the moment I entered the jail, everyone was talking about how a killer was being held there. The most action that place saw was a drunk man riding his donkey into town. So word traveled quick. Every day, all we heard about was Max Parmele, who was there and nobody would talk to him because he murdered his parents, he bludgeoned them to death, then went missing for a day or two. Their other son found his parents dead, knowing immediately his brother Max was the killer. Also, no clue if I said that name correctly. Fast forward about three weeks. It was finally my court date. They walked a bunch of us over as the jail was across the street from the courthouse. We were all shackled together, walking in a line. We were put in a holding cell, men and women. The cell had a long metal picnic table with metal loops on the table and seats to shackle us to. One by one, each inmate was called to appear before the judge. It was only me, a 20-year-old girl, and one man left. We had been there all day in this hot cell. I broke down. I cried and cried, but could not even lift my hands to wipe my eyes because they were chained to the table. So there I sat, red eyes with a snotty nose. The man next to me told me to lean over and wipe my face on his jumpsuit because you can't let the judge see you like that. So I did. He asked me why I was crying, and I just unloaded my life story on this man. I remember I felt so peaceful with him and safe. I told him things I'd never told anyone. He was so kind. I feel like I rambled for an hour before I heard the jingling of the keys of the bailiff coming to get whoever was next. The bailiff swung the bar door open and said, Parmele, you're up. I'd been sitting next to the killer everyone was talking about and had no clue. I told him my whole life story and Max being let out of the court, he turned back to me and said, I have a feeling you'll be okay. 
You've got a good spirit. And remember, don't let the judge see you crying. He was let off and I never saw him again. That moment haunted me for years. I still think about it to this day. Marie. Oh Whoa. my gosh. Whoa. You know, though, it really does show you, though, that, I mean, we I have no idea the circumstances of that case. And like, so did he have some sort of mental illness that led to that? Did, was there abuse? I, I can't pretend to speculate, but deep down, like, they're still human. Yeah. Unless it's like truly like a sociopath. They right. still have that human element. And, you know, maybe he thought you were cute. Maybe he wanted to hit on you a little bit. Maybe he, whatever. Maybe he just fucking, because nobody was talking to him because mm-hmm. he killed his parents. He just needed that human connection for a minute, you right. know, and wanted to escape what he just did. So he wanted to hear all of your drama just to get out of his own for a minute. Right. So, I mean, as much as you want to be like, no, I fucking hate him. He killed his parents. Ultimately, he is still human. Yeah. It, that's so hard. Also, like, how he was to you and everything, that's where, you know, when these people are like, I had no idea he was capable of that or Mm -hmm. whatever, because people see all different sides of people. Right. And especially if they're, like, marrying behaviors to get away with, if they are, like, a sociopath Mm -hmm. or whatever that can, that needs to, or a psycho, whatever they are, you know, sometimes I get them confused. And they have to, like, mirror that behavior so that they can manipulate you, get away with things. Mm-hmm. all of that well then yeah they're going to show you another side right or a fake side yeah but I think if you didn't feel that from him in that moment for you maybe he just saw like he wanted to be the person that he wished someone would have been for him or whatever you never know but also it's still terrifying to know that you like wiped your eyes and your snot on a freaking killer's jumpsuit the next one Hey gals, I just found your podcast. I've only listened to two episodes, but immediately felt like we're all best friends. Uh, because we are. Exactly. I'm a 23-year-old veteran cop in Kansas City. I'm a 23-year-old veteran cop in Kansas City. That's thrown in to hopefully allow you to see me as somewhat sane. Anyway, so when I was a kid, about 12 or 13, we lived in a three-bedroom apartment on the bottom floor of an apartment in Kansas City, Kansas. My sister and I shared a room and we had bunk beds. I would often see a Native American man standing in full garb in the doorway. He never came in and I would always just roll over and face the wall to keep from seeing him. I never said anything because I didn't want to be laughed at and I didn't want people to think I was crazy. Fast forward some 20 to 30 years, we were sitting around the table at a family gathering and somehow the subject of ghosts came up and my sister mentioned a Native American standing in the doorway when we were kids. My jaw hit the floor. I said, you saw it too? Neither of us wanted to be thought of as crazy or making up stories, but there you have it. Both of us saw the same Native American standing in the doorway. I've often been tempted to go back to that apartment and ask the current residents if they've seen him. But again, crazy lady, I don't want the police to be called on me. If there's any way y'all could find out, that would be amazing. I've often thought about writing a teen book about the Native American in the doorway, but you know, life and all. Well, y'all take care and keep creeping it real. Shawnee in. See, nobody tells anything because again, they don't want to seem... Like, what? But, like, I just feel like on shows and on movies and stuff, I'm like, just 
tell them. Tell them what you're going Same. through. Tell them. Like, just fucking tell them. Quit holding your cards so close to the vest. But see, we're tellers. We tell everybody things. I know. We say tell a lot. I said tell like 17 oh, times. You did. You did. But yeah, I I am like, I woke up last night and then blah, blah, blah. Like, we will send messages like when we woke up from a dream and be like, y'all, I just had this dream. It's nonsensical and non whatever like it doesn't matter but we tell everything we really do like we're we're oversharers so mm-hmm. i'm just like look if y'all have told one another y'all could have like figured this out i know but yeah i definitely wouldn't ask the current residents no no i mean see again i'm nosy beyond a nosy so i'd want to know but uh but uh yeah no. i'm not trying to end up on a tiktok of me being like ding ding on the ring doorbell right right <laughs> Um, just here to see if y'all have any, uh, paranormal happenings. Like, no, no, no. Okay, the next one. Creepy bedroom, question mark. Hat man, question mark. Shadow figure, question mark. I mean, they didn't tell me to to go (laughs) up really high pitched, but I felt like I needed it. Right. Hey, ladies. So I started listening to your podcast last spring, right as COVID was locking everything down. Thankfully, I live in the country, so I could still get out of the house. I walk about three to four miles a day with my German shepherd, Walt, to keep my sanity. I binged your podcast all summer long, jumping all over the place. Now I have to figure out how to listen to the ones I skipped. Oopsies. I'll be honest. The Sinister Sightings are my fave. There's a bunch of people that say the Sinister Sightings are their faves. I'm cool with that. I love them too. I have a few stories to share, but I'll start with one that hit me the hardest as an adult. My husband, now ex-husband, and I had a cute house on a busy road in our town. It was a small Cape Cod, three-bedroom, one-bath, you know the kind, with one large open room upstairs and two regular bedrooms on the main level. Yep, that was the home. Adorable house, terrible location. Busy road, bars on both sides, just a few houses down. It was noisy. Ick. They said ick, not me. But one thing we loved was that the upstairs could be so versatile as our family's need changed. It started as our master bedroom. Then we had our daughter. We moved our room downstairs to be on the same floor as her, and it became the extra bedroom slash office. Just a year and a half later, my son was born. We decided both kiddos could have the main floor bedrooms, and we moved back upstairs. I promise this is all relevant. Okay, I got a sidebar real quick. Um, I could not be the parent with my bedroom above my kids because I lived in apartments way too long and my kids don't need to hear me having sex. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Like, well, I'm not having kids, but you get the point. Yeah, I just don't want to be on the top floor. (laughs) I'm lazy. I want first floor master. You know, it's called a primary bathroom now. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. I mean, like, it's just like the current language that they're going to in Mm. real estate. Mm. So it's not like master. Yeah. When my son turned one, my husband and I separated and he moved out. He took most of the furniture, and the bed I was gifted didn't fit up the narrow-ass steep stairs. So I moved my son upstairs, and it became his room and the playroom. It was perfect. So the room bounced back and forth, back and forth among us over a three-year time span. Side note, I super do not recommend that often. Moving beds sucks. Anyway, one thing was constant in that room throughout all of its uses, regardless of whose room it was and what it was used for. It was heavy. It shouldn't have been. There were two big windows on either end and one in the stairwell too. It looked so bright and cheery. The feeling was totally out of place in this light sage green homey looking space. But in all the times it had been my bedroom, I was never able to sleep with the lights off if my husband wasn't home. 
which was often since he worked second shift and wasn't home before midnight. I'd go to bed with the lamp on, and he'd turn it off when he came to bed after I was already asleep. I thought I was just overreacting and being a big baby. I don't like the dark much anyway, and I assumed my imagination was just getting the best of me. But every time I attempted to go to bed and turn the lamp off, all set to be brave and really conquer my fears, boom, there it was. I know. I know there was a black figure, tall and slouched slightly in the corner of my room. There was a small inlet with an angled ceiling where I had a dresser. I just know there was a figure there. Although I couldn't actually see the specific features, I just knew it was a man. He was tall, broad shoulders. He had a wide brim hat. He always started there in the corner. I'd lay in bed, frozen, just holding my breath. And sure as shit, every time he'd move out of the corner, straighten up, and move across the room, past the foot of my bed, and to the other side of the room, just standing there. I even kept a flashlight under my pillow, and once had it all set and prepped to turn on, with the flick of a light, nothing. Gone. Poof. Zero validation. So when my husband moved out and my son upstairs, I assumed the incidents would stop. It was just my imagination, after all right? I was wrong. So wrong. My sweet little dude, we'll call him E, was just barely a year old at the time. I had his crib in the inlet my dresser was in previously. It was the perfect little cozy nook. The rest of the room was open for playing. He and my daughter G would play and run around up there during the day. It was the ideal setup. A little play kitchen area, Lego corner, movie corner with a snuggy fort and TV, kid paradise. Until E started waking up almost every night, over and over and over. Now, I know what you're thinking. His dad moving out is a big change, but my husband has never been home for bedtime, so that wasn't really anything new. His bedtime was never a challenge. The kid used to sit on the bottom step with his blankie at 6.45 and say, Night-night, Mama. I go night-night now. He loved his sleep. Yes, I was spoiled by him. Don't worry. My daughter was super colicky and never slept through the night till she was two. So don't shoot me, other mamas out there. I feel your pain. Anyway, he would wake up just petrified, hysterically crying, shaking, and even sweating. I'd flick on the light at the bottom of the stairs, lighting the top landing and flooding light to the room. Race my ass up those steep stairs two at a time and scoop my little buddy out of his crib. His eyes were fixated on the spot in the room where I always saw the dark figure. Every time I'd pick E up, that's where he was staring. I convinced myself that he was just seeing the same shadow I'd been overreacting about at first. But just as the weeks turned into months, I rearranged his room. He still woke up terrified. I took down his crib when he was 18 months because he kept getting his little legs stuck in the slats, which also woke him up. Poor kid. We put up bunk beds, the bottom one being a futon. He loved to sleep on the futon when it was folded like a couch because he kind of rolled to the back and snuggle faced first into the cushion. Finally, he slept through the night. I convinced myself it was just a combination of shadows and his legs getting stuck in the slats that had been waking him up until his sister decided she wanted to start sharing a room with E. G had apraxia of speech. Long story short, making words, let alone sentences, was hard for this little chickadee. That's important. G was about three and a half when she finally started speaking short, broken sentences. You usually hear from someone closer to E's age, too. They'd often chatter to each other, and I couldn't really tell what the conversation was about, but they sure did. 
Side note, shout out to all the amazing speech and language pathologists out there. So I let these two besties snuggle up on the futon bed for their first night. I had zero faith that they'd actually fall asleep and assumed I'd be separating them shortly. But hey, I decided I'd let them try. They actually went to bed great, snuggled right in, had bedtime songs, lights out by 745. There was a fairly bright nightlight at the other end of the bedroom, so a soft glow fell across about half of the room, ending just at the end of their bed. Dark enough to sleep, bright enough so they wouldn't trip if they needed to find the stairs to come down. I sat downstairs in the living room, straining to hear their little chatter and giggles, which died down after about 10 minutes. Feeling super proud of my teeny munchkins, I turned the TV on, half paying attention to the show, half scrolling Facebook on my phone. Don't judge me. I can't be alone in that. Well, I was just about to ditch social media and head to bed myself, and screams from upstairs jolted me back to reality. I flew up those stairs again, two by two, which honestly, I'm pretty proud of. Short girl here. Raced into their room, expecting they had gotten tangled up with each other and rolled out of bed to find them huddled together on the floor next to the bed. I scooped them up, one on each hip, and retreated to the light of this upstairs hallway. When I asked G what happened, she could hardly stammer a word. Dark. And E followed with man. Mama, man. And that creeped me out because we were alone, living on a busy road with a rowdy biker bar just a few houses down. No judgment, but we'd had some pretty rough drunk guys knock on the door before, and I immediately thought maybe someone had snuck in and I'd missed it. Queen of overreacting here. Yes, I know. So I took them both downstairs to my bed. Who doesn't feel better snuggling with mama for a while? Am I right? Once they calmed down, E said, dark hat, mama. He has a dark hat. Welp. I'm out, guys. That gave me goosebumps all over, and I decided it was time to pull my head out of my ass and acknowledge that my house was haunted by something. I'd begun dating an old friend, Jay, about six months prior, who occasionally stayed over. We moved my bedroom back upstairs and gave the kiddos the main floor bedrooms. I can sleep with the lamp on. Yep, sure can. Jay never made fun of me for that and believed us 100% that there was something there. Even he admits that room never felt right. Besides that creepy-ass shadow figure upstairs, I often heard tapping on the back door. No one was ever there. My dog and cat also shied away from a certain corner in the living room, and my babies, both my kids, would giggle and point at the same corner in the living room. I never saw or experienced anything sinister except for the upstairs bedroom. I did try to research to see if anyone had died in the house, but couldn't come up with anything. So when I was typing this email up, I was trying to figure out the name for the style of hat it seemed like the shadow figure was wearing. It wasn't a bowler hat. It had more of a brim, not a cowboy hat, because it was flatter than this. So I googled black hat. Google search suggestions came up with black hat man. Curious, I ended up going back and searching the phrase just now since I finished up my story. I'm pretty sure my heart just about stopped when the results came up. How did I not know that the hat man was a thing? I've heard of shadow figures. I thought that's probably what it was. But the hat man, y'all, I was happy to leave that house behind. But now I'm even more relieved. I'm glad I hadn't dug deeper when I lived there. Well, ladies, thanks for hearing me out, and as everyone seems to say, sorry it was long-winded, creep it real and don't get scared, Emily. Holy shit. Yeah. You had the hat man there. Yeah, you did. It looks like the neighborhood watch guy on the Yes, thing. it does on the on the signs. Yeah. Are those still a thing? I mean, the one that's been in my parents' neighborhood since we moved in, or since they moved in 35 years ago, <laughs> it's still there. I don't know if it's still a thing, but the sign still exists. <laughs> I don't know how parents do it. You know, like, because, I don't know, because I'm just like that with, like, Marley 
and like my friends, like you can do anything to me, but don't do anything to my dog and my friends. And I can only imagine that's like amplified by a hundred for your kids. And so if your kids are scared and stuff, you just want to like rectify what's happening, Mm -hmm. but you like can't rectify it in your head. What is going on? Oh God. Oh, (laughs) but when you said you saw him like cuddled up on the floor, that just breaks my heart. I know. Like truly, that's one of the reasons why I can't have kids is because the things that they go through, it feels like my insides, like my heart is being ripped to pieces. Like even just when you said his little leg was getting caught, like that could literally make me cry. Yeah. So if that was from a human that I created, there's no fucking way. Right. I would crumble and be a puddle of like, there's, I just, I, I can't do it. Yeah. Look, she is a bitch, but she's very sensitive. And like, It's ridiculous things that make me sensitive. Like my sister sent me a TikTok the other day and she was like, it was a, the TikTok was a girl filming her sister who they were like on the subway or something. And she was crying because an old man smiled at her. And I was like, she's like, if this is not you. And I'm like, I know. It is. It so is. But for no good reason. Like they're just existing, living their best life. And I'm like, oh, he's so sweet. I hope people love him. <laughs> you do do that. I've all, I only do that like once in a blue moon, but I always think like this must be how Carrie feels. Yes. <laughs> and the thing is, is I used to be such a like a bit like I haven't always been like this. Like, right. So this is like bizarre to me that I don't know. I guess it probably started like at least. 10 years ago yeah where it was just like stuff made me totally emotional that should not have made me emotional (laughs) again why i can't have kids well i'm glad you got out of that house though Mm -hmm. hey ladies my mom and i recently found your podcast and we listen every time we're in the car we love you and you keep our car rides fun okay so on to the story and why i'm writing this so really quick before i start i just want to mention my mom and i still aren't exactly sure what happened But we thought, why not send it in and get your guys' opinions on it? Okay, well, enough rambling. On to the story. So the story is about my younger brother and how he might have had something attached to him. It was like 2016, I think, when all that Charlie Charlie stuff was going on. You know, the pencil game where people tried to talk to a ghost named Charlie, just in case you didn't know what I was talking about. I mean, I went straight to, Charlie bit me. (laughs) (laughs) it really hurt i love that charlie charlie bit me i love that but i do know charlie charlie and i was too scared to try it (laughs) yeah i mean i know it now like that y'all she like i mean i know it now that they reminded us what it is but immediately i was like that really hurt (laughs) anyway my brother was about six at the time and after all the charlie charlie stuff died down he started telling us about his friend named Charlie. Of course, we just kind of brushed it off as his imagination as he's six. But he also has a mental disability, so his brain is a few years behind and his emotions are very heightened. So, Charlie had been around for about a year and it was basically harmless, but but he was still there and my brother would play and talk with him. And we had to leave doors open so Charlie could come in. Oh, also, Charlie would come everywhere we went as well. So it was the summer of 2017, and we were visiting my grandmother in Tennessee and taking my cousins home with us. Some background info, we lived in Pennsylvania at the time, so it was about 11 hours from our house. But guess who also had to come? You guessed it, Charlie. Once we got to my grandmother's, that's when things took a turn. My brother would start crying out of nowhere and would not tell us why. 
After the second or third time, he finally told us that Charlie wanted to hurt him and that my brother needed to jump out the window or Charlie would hurt him. We were obviously freaked out because nothing like this had ever happened before. But after we left my grandparents, Charlie basically disappeared, but he would randomly show up for a week and disappear until he was just never mentioned again unless we were telling someone this story. Now, we still aren't sure what really happened. We still debate whether he made it up or it was his emotions being heightened made it worse or if it was even a ghost or something. But if it was, we don't know where he could have got it. Possibly my childhood home, but that's a whole different story. It's still very creepy and keeps us questioning what was really going on. Thank you so much for reading my story and I apologize if it was boring or not very spooky. Anyway, Creep It Real, love you both, Mackenzie. Not spooky. Uh-uh. Imaginary friends, always spooky. Imaginary friends, after uh, a trend like that, real fucking spooky. Right? Uh-uh. Uh-uh. And I wonder why it took a turn after it went to the grandparents' house with y'all. You know? Like, yeah. what made that... I don't know. What made that turn? I don't know. I don't, I don't know, know what it is. But I'd much rather that biting little booger than whatever <laughs> y'all had. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, I'm glad that everything worked out okay, though. Good day, my beautiful Southern Queens. I have a story today, and I hope you enjoy. Thank you again for creating a space for us to share our stories and learn from each other. Let's get going with it. My story takes place in Waco, Texas, around 1987. My mom, my little sister, five, and myself, six, left my granny's house off Leland Avenue one hot summer day in search of a convenience store that had fountain Dr. Pepper and freshly stocked snacks. The AC was not working the best and temps outside were soaring. The plan was to drive to the convenience store near my granny's house, fill up on gas, and get our Dr. Pepper and treats. Uh, sidebar, my sister Casey and I used to sneak um, across the street. And by street, I mean highway on our bikes to go get glass bottle Dr. Pepper. Oh, chef's kiss. That's funny. I don't think I've ever had bottle Dr. Pepper. Oh, my God. And then the lid would either, sometimes you get a free one from it. Mm. Oh, and it was so good. Like glass bottle? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I've had Coke out of a glass bottle and root beer. Oh, glass bottle Dr. Pepper is like, you can't beat it. (laughs) Okay, we got out of the car and walked into the store. We gathered our Dr. Pepper and our treats and headed to the counter to wait in line to pay. There was one customer in front of us. I saw my mom look to her right and out the door as the guy in front of us cashed out. She quickly sat the three Dr. Peppers and treats down on the nearest end cap she could find and swiftly walked my sister and I out of the door while holding our hands tightly. She opened the back door, scooped us in the car, and drove off. She seemed freaked out. My sister and I were confused as to, one, where the fuck our Dr. Pepper and treats were, and two, why did we not pay for the gas? My sister and I knew better than to ask. We did not understand what just happened. We got back to Granny's house, walked in, and sat down on the couch in silence. That's when we started to hear the ambulance and police sirens. She had my sister and I go into my Granny's room to play with the toys on the bed as she turned on the news with the volume on low. It was years later that I found out the rest of the story. That day in the convenience store, while waiting in line, my mom said that she looked out the front door of the store and saw a man walking toward the store with what looked like a dense black cloud surrounding his head and his back. It traveled with him, completely contained to this gentleman. No one in the parking lot seemed to be aware. For whatever reason, my mom knew that the gentleman was being accompanied by death. 
That's when she bolted. She had never seen a physical manifestation like that. It turns out, as she fled the parking lot with us, the man with the black cloud robbed and murdered the store clerk for little to no money by shooting him in the face. Same with the older gentleman that cashed out in front of us. He only had enough cash on him for a little gas and his honey bun and coffee. This guy basically got nothing. The sirens she heard were in response to this incident. The police tracked this guy down and he was caught. I have no idea what punishment he received, but I'm assuming capital charges as this is Texas and the law over here loves the death penalty. This event always freaked my mom out. After she told me the full details of this story, she never brought it up again. Have a beautiful day, ladies. Creep it real and don't get scared. Jen, the suburban farmer. Holy shit. Right? That is so freaky. One, y'all are good kids because I would have been like, my dog gave Pepper my snacks. Like, I think though, like when your mom or your parent or whomever that you're with, that's like an authority figure does something like that, though, you just kind of know, like, this is, this is not an ask situation. Yeah. Like, this is like, you know what I mean? You just, you just do what they say. Yeah. I mean, I would have got in the car. I would have been like, what going? But when we got in that car, that's when I would have been throwing my fit. And also been like, why aren't we going to another gas station? And you're a reason why I can't have kids. <laughs> Like, cause I can just hear you, mom, 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 mom. <laughs> um, I just want to know what your mom felt when she looked up and saw that. Oh my gosh. I cannot even imagine like the fear. Right. And I mean, if you see something like that, you got to put down the shit and get just like she did. And I'm glad she did because y'all would have been right there. Yeah. And even if you would have been like safe and okay, you would have seen all of that. Yeah. And, and your whole, you know, your life would be completely changed. Yeah. Okay. Last one. The title is Witty Title. <laughs> That's hilarious. Hello, my fellow Pringle lovers. You make my daily commute to the fridge, to my bed, much better. I'll just get all my fangirl out now if you don't mind. I literally love y'all. You're too funny and my family thinks I'm crazy for bursting out in laughter randomly, but I just can't help it. Y'all are just so amazing. Oddly, don't tell my family I listen to y'all till I'm 16. Oh my gosh, how old are you really? It always amazes me that we have young creepsters in the community. I know because uh, I am not cool. <laughs> me either. We know you're not. Mother. Back to the witty one. I can't believe I'm doing this. It feels like I'm texting Chris Hemsworth and he's going to actually read it. You know, it feels unreal. Can I just have his money? Damn. Okay, on to the story. Unfortunately, I've never seen a real ghost. I've only been ghosted by people, but whatever. I feel that in my soul. Feel that 100, 100. However, I do have some stories to tell. Here we go. Picture it. 2014, around 11 p.m. one night, my parents were laying in their bed watching TV, and they saw a light reflection in the TV. And my mother looked out the window to see what it was, and she saw a man's face and a blinding light. Then she noticed the gun. She yelled, who are you? This bitch then yelled back, come to the front door. She then noticed all the other people stalking behind him. I'd imagine more out of confusion than bravery. She yelled back, no, who are you? Sometimes I don't know how we're related because this bitch would have gotten some language from me, but whatever. She then began to ask who the fucking shit was this dude still with the handgun pointed into the window. 
He said, police, go to the front door. They ran to the door and opened it slightly. Looking out, they saw eight coppers with guns. Most of their fingers were on the damn trigger. The fuzz said that they needed to search our house. My father said they would not set a foot in our house until they showed some IDs. And a warrant. Right. Coppers did and said again, we need to search your house. My parents asked why. They then explained that they were tracking an armed robber and they thought the robber may have been harbored here, all fancy-like to make up for the fact that they had no warrant. My parents were led out of the house and were guarded by a police officer. After about three hours, all the cops were getting tired and the man guarding my parents walked off and started searching as well. My dad heard a noise a bit later and said to the officer, Hey boss, I don't want to tell you how to do your job, but there's a phone ringing by the road. I think that's what you're looking for. They picked it up and just left like that. This was about four hours long in total. So that's my story. I hope I didn't bore y'all too much, but I have some others if you want them. Like the time I played the midnight game, creepy white van, the time my sister's snacking habits just about scared me to death. My mom's ghost grandpa, the time my dad almost got kidnapped by a ghost, and the time I was the ghost, and a couple little things I'm going to drop in so my fave podcasters think I'm cool because I'm a dork like that, including the time Elton John flirted with my great-grandpa at a bar in Hollywood. Sorry this story was written quite eh, boring. My mom helped me write it since it was her story. Okay, I'm sorry for fangirling at you, and I'm sorry for my grammar and shit. Love y'all, and y'all sinister sighting stories are so creepy. Love, Aspen M. Um, Aspen, nice of her to help you write something that she had no idea what you were writing it for. I know, she's probably like, I'm just, I'm just telling a friend. Let's go. <laughs> she's like, Mom, what was that story again? Can you just tell me it? Like, okay, real slow. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna <laughs> practice my typing skills. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh. That is so scary. I love that your mom's like, no, who are you? Yeah. Okay. Like, I'm just going to let you in. Right. Have you seen that TikTok of that guy that is like, I can't remember what time of day it was, but like, he's like knocking on these people's front door and they have the ring doorbell and um, the wife is home alone, but like he apparently saw her through the window and is like knocking on the door. So the husband comes over the ring doorbell and is like, what do you want? And he's like, she won't let me in. And he's like, who are you? What do you want? And he's like, I just want to rape and murder her. What? And she won't let me in. Like he was, um, I think on drugs and like they, he was later we- arrested and he had all those weapons with him to do it. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. I have not seen that TikTok. Creepy. So yeah, don't answer the door. No, or answer a guy at the window with a gun. I know. I would have like ducked and called police. I would have been like, who are you with a gun pointed at me? I know. I'd been like, just fake asleep. Just fake asleep. <laughs> uh, ma'am, we see your eyes looking at us. Just fake asleep. Just fake asleep. I'm sleepwalking. <laughs> ma'am, we know you're awake. <laughs> <sighs> Yeah, they would definitely be able to tell when I woke up and saw them because they'd be like, finally, okay, the noise has stopped. God, breaking the sound barrier in there. But, oh my God, that is so scary. And also, they were all like fucking Gomer Pyle over there trying to search for stuff. <laughs> I like, know. I love that your dad was like, hey boss, not trying to do your job or anything, but uh, I think what you're looking for is over there. Yeah. It always makes me mad just how, like, the police go through and, like, search your house and then they don't put it back together. But I get it. Like, I do get it. But it's like, y'all had nothing to do with this. Y'all were all sleeping. Yeah. 
And yep. and then you have to go and like do everything. There's an SVU because Tiffany's got me back watching all the SVU stuff. And God, I've seen these so many times. This is my criminal minds. Like everyone watches criminal minds over and over. This is mine. There was one where the victim goes back home and there's like finger uh, print dust. And yeah, stuff. the fingerprint dust everywhere. And like the house is just like disheveled you know and like what do you do after you've like survived an attack and all that and you go home and it's like terrible oh i don't know it just breaks my heart well these stories were amazing as they always are thank y'all so much for sending them in if you want your story read just like these awesome people send it into aparanormalchicks at gmail.com and remember creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared